Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez, and welcome to part two of the very special two-part episode of Futures Focus. This is the MLB draft coverage with Sean Kernahan, Dave Gasper, and myself. And in case you did not check out part one, which, by the way, totally fine, but I do recommend checking that out after you listen to this podcast. Um, it is the Futures Game Analysis with Gail Verderico, David Gasper, and myself. We were able to get onto the field, get to live batting practice with the guys. Very cool stuff. So check out part one if you have not. But if you're here for part two, welcome. This is, again, kind of a thank you for your patience. Um, just to clarify a couple of things. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had an episode of Futures Focus, and that is my fault. I uh, genuinely apologize for that. I was in the middle of moving. We are uh, we are expecting a new baby girl in October, and we needed a, a third bedroom. And our place in Rancho Cucamonga, although close to the Quakes, still didn't have that third bedroom. So we moved to Aliso Viejo, and you guys know how moving goes. It's very stressful. It's very time-consuming. Internet, equipment. It was it was a uh, it's been a while, but we're all set up here. We were able to get this special two part out, uh, episode out to you guys as a way of saying thank you. We appreciate you still tuning in to Futures Focus, and that we will be getting back to regularly scheduled programming, if you will, where we'll try to get an episode out to you once a week at the minimum, if not more, if we have some special things happening. Who knows? Special guests and whatnot. So again, this is uh, part two. This is going to be the MLB draft. Uh, it's that time of year again where we got to start thinking about our first year player drafts for a dynasty league. So Sean Kernerhan and Dave Gasper, two of the best that I know personally anywhere. Uh, Sean is insane. He is an absolute freak when it comes to the draft. And I say that in the nicest and most loving way possible. So you're going to get a lot of fascinating and insightful information from this guy. Uh, Sean is great. Really appreciate him coming on. Again, if you didn't check out part one with Gail Verderico and myself and David, uh, check that out after. But again, Futures Focus, we're back. Everything's good. It was just me moving. And uh, again, I totally apologize for that. I want to continue to get these episodes out on a regular basis. Prospects, minor league baseball, my love, your love, if you're listening to this, really appreciate you. Uh, supporting the podcast and checking out Prospects 1500. We'll have a lot of great shows coming in the future. We got top 50 lists updated. We got top 100 lists for our correspondents updated. We got second half minor league baseball. We're going to have some call ups. going to be a lot of great things to talk about. So without further ado, here is Sean Kernahan, David Gasper, and myself talking MLB draft and what it means for your dynasty teams moving forward. This is Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Hope you enjoy. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are back here, Futures Focus. Joining me now, Alex Sanchez, David Gasper here on Futures Focus, is our draft expert here at Prospects 1500, Sean Kernahan. And I'm sure you've had a busy last couple of weeks, but it all culminated in that wonderful thing we call the MLB draft. So uh, how are you doing? Are you alive over there, Sean? Oh, I am worn out, tired, but uh, now, you know, the fun of Tennessee, you know, who's signing, how much they're signing for, and start to see where they're going to start their pro careers. So the MLB draft, and I'm probably the one that's in the majority of most of our listeners, and you guys are probably in the minority, but that's why we have you on and you'll do all the talking, is that the MLB draft is exciting when it's happening, but we're not really doing a lot of background research because our first-year player drafts probably don't happen at the same time. Usually they're happening six or seven months from now after these guys actually have had some professional experience as well. But that's not going to win you your league. We need to know about these guys now so you can start sorting and figuring out if you need to trade for those picks. If you can trade for a second or third rounder in a in a dynasty league, that's maybe a throw in or something like that. And who to target in those ranges, because if you go into your first year player draft trying to learn everybody a couple of weeks before you will not be successful. So Sean and David, you two, you or I consider you an expert with the draft. It's time for you guys to educate us. I will go on what I watched the draft. It was, I was interested in it again. I'm, I'm, I love this stuff, but uh, at the same time, some of these guys, I don't know too much about. I do know that I was very surprised to see Jackson holiday go number one to the Baltimore Orioles Again, picking up on our, we're only going to draft the sons of successful major leaguers and hope that works out. That's been the the key to a lot of success for teams lately. But uh, I'll start with you, Sean. Jackson Holiday, uh, scale of one to ten, how big of a surprise was this, and is he worthy of a number one? Or if not, where would you have picked him if if money doesn't get involved in this at all? Yeah, and that's the thing. This was a weird draft where picking out who was going to go number one, 15 minutes before the draft, I was down to five names uh, that I, I, I was hearing. Holiday was was one of them. Um, I thought they were either going to go Drew Jones or then or cut a deal with Brooks Lee or um, Jamar Johnson. They ended up going Jackson Holiday. They're kind of splitting that difference. Um, not necessarily – Best player on the board, but, uh, you know, I ranked him three. I, I think that he probably signs for mildly below slot, um, but, you know, they didn't exactly go for a discount. It, it is a guy who, like I said, he, he ranked three. He's a left-handed shortstop, you know, elite bat the ball skills. He's good chance to, to stick um, over there at short. Uh, I, I would have no problem with him 
going on top of the, you know, at that point, uh, there were just some guys that I thought were, you know, I had two guys ranked higher, and if I, they were going to go for a discount, um, you know, that I thought there was some better options there. But overall, not a massive surprise, a good pick, good player, um, really fit in with uh, what they were looking to do. Yeah, and I'm pretty glad that the Orioles didn't cut a deal this year, it seems like. I mean, the, the last couple of years, they've been picking early. And it really kind of just seems like they keep on cutting deals. I mean, Colton Cowser, I mean, he's a solid pick, but, you know, should he have gone fifth overall? Probably not. Uh, Heston Kerstad, same thing. But, you know, this year they went with who they felt was was the simply the best player, not looking to, to cut a deal with uh, Tamar or Brooksley or any of the guys like that. So Holiday ends up going. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks are sitting there. It's like, oh, well, Drew Jones has fallen right into our laps. So that was that was a pretty easy pick for them, getting Andrew Jones' son. And the outfield in Arizona is looking to be a very fun one in the future. And then we get the stone-cold stunner of the draft, Kumar Rocker at three. And... Sean, I know you were surprised. I was surprised. I think everyone was shocked. Jeff Passan kind of tweeted, you know, right before it's like, oh, there's there's some buzz. Kumar could go could go in the top ten, and it's like, oh, okay, like that's interesting. And then boom, number three to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I mean, if I was betting on the draft, which I I did not, I saw a bunch of the odds. I I had too much information, and I was going to going to screw myself up if I went that, went that way. Um, I, I said before the draft, there's a, I thought there was a higher likelihood that Kumar Rocker goes after round one than in the top 10. I was wrong. But <clears throat> the thing is, is after that night when uh, I think John Heyman was the one that broke it, that Kumar Rocker signed for, you know, quite a bit under slot, all of a sudden it made sense. The, you know, immediately, you know, in our group chat, I said there's Brock Porter and that's what ended up happening they they did not have a second round pick they didn't have a third round pick because of the signings of Corey Seager and uh Marcus Semyon they so they, they forfeited their second and third round picks they went up going after a guy Kumar Rocker went ahead and signed him under slot used that money to go after a, a guy that Brock Porter, we were all surprised to see still on the board after day one. And, you know, I had him ranked 14. I had him ranked higher than Kumar Rocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like he's going to sign there for three and a half million, a little bit over three and a half million, it looks like. They're going to get some other deals with some of the other guys they signed. And they're going to walk away with Kumar Rocker and Brock Porter, two first round type talents at pitching when they didn't have a second or third round pick. They did a really good job, and don't discount the fact that their first-round pick last year was Jack Leiter, a guy who pitched with Kumar Rocker. I know the team sat down with Jack Leiter ahead of time, and they talked about it, made sure he was going to be a good fit with that organization. So it, hindsight and looking at the af- after the aftermath, it makes a lot of sense, but in the moment, it was absolutely shocking. Yeah, and, and it's common nobody. Sorry, I'll, I'll I'll get back to listening. But I was even shocked with that because I I figured Rocker would go much much later. But number three was crazy. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I'm sorry, David. What were you going to say? I was just you know commenting. Like, yeah, we got the Vandy boys back together. I mean, if you had told me a year ago that one team is going to get both 
Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, uh, I would have told you you were nuts. Uh, but you know, it's crazy how it how it's worked out that way, and it's worked out well for for the Rangers to get some great pitching talent into their organization. And with the Rangers, you know, taking this uh, uh, risk, I guess you could say, but but going this route, it fell perfectly for the Pirates at number four because their guy Tamar Johnson just fell right into their laps. Yeah, and I mean, I was told that they were that was their guy, that was who they were looking for. Um, once he his name was did not go number one. Um, you know, I'd be willing to bet the people in the the Pirates. War Room started celebrating because uh, they knew they were going to get their guy. Uh, you know, I, I got some comps of, of Willie Calhoun as, as a negative, but also, you know, I got some a lot of player, people saying that he was the best pure bat in the draft uh, from the high school level. Um, I, I fell somewhere in between. I, I ranked him, I think, ninth. He, I, I, I like Tamar Johnson. I, I have other guys I obviously like better, but – the problem with Tamar Johnson is just where is he going to play? Listed as a shortstop, no, there's no chance he plays there. Um, second base, maybe. He, I just I don't like his his fielding ability. Uh, I think he's probably going to be more of a a left fielder type. You know, maybe ends up at second base. Positionally, I, I have some con- concerns with Tamar Johnson, which is why I wouldn't spend a, a top five pick on him. But, you know, it was the guy the Pirates were looking for, um, you know, and it, it followed how they wanted it to, and then good for them. Sean, let me ask you this. Looking at these, a lot of times when you're in these first-year player drafts, you're taking, you know, the same order. Obviously, we can't do that. And that is sort of the issue with the MLB draft is that you just said that the Rangers selected the guy at number three that was – could have been out of the first round. I mean, what other sport does that happen? But I digress. If we're talking about the best overall player for a dynasty league, regardless of how long it's going to take them, who would that be for you? And then also, if you want somebody that's going to be in the majors within the next year or two for your first year player draft, maybe helping out a team that's just on the brink, who would that be for you in the uh, in the first round here for your first year player drafts? Yeah, so for me, the best player in the draft was Drew Jones, but he's not going to be the best fantasy player in the draft. That's Elijah Green. Elijah Green is the best offensive player in this draft. Um, his ceiling is un, you know, unquestioned. He is going to absolutely mash. Yeah, there's going to be questions about can he make enough contact to get to the power that he has, but as far as you know, upside, there is nobody better than Elijah Green. When it comes to all-around baseball, Drew Jones is the better prospect because he's – He's a much better defender. But when it comes to offense, Elijah Green's the guy. He will take some time. He's he is a high schooler. He'll take some time. You know, if you're looking for a guy to get there quickly, um, you know, uh, Brooks Lee, the shortstop out of Cal Poly that went to the Twins. He was uh, my top college position player. Um, you don't see a whole lot of. Catchers moving quickly, and, and with the Mets taking Kevin Parada, I think it was a great pick, but it also means they can be patient. So you look at a guy like, oh, let's see here. Um, well, Jacob Berry signed today with the Marlins. He's a guy that is bat first, positional second. He's a guy that can move quickly. And, and the other one is Gavin Cross. Now, Cross with with 
Kansas City. I don't see him moving too fast just because of their circumstances. But he is a guy. But those are the guys: Jacob, Jacob Berry, Gavin Cross, and Brooks Lee. I think be the fastest moving bats as far as arms go. They were saying in the draft they weren't wrong. Kamar Rocker can pitch in the big in the big leagues as a reliever today. Uh, I don't think he would have any issues with that. But you know he's probably going to be a little bit uh, slower moving, just because he he pitched so few innings. Um, the guy that I said was going to be the fastest to the big leagues. I don't think he's going to be a massive fantasy uh, impact guy. Is Jonathan Cannon, who went to the White Sox. He'll probably be. I say he's the first pitch starting pitcher to make it to the big leagues. Um, but to me, it's really the bats, the college bats, Brooks Lee, Gavin Cross, and uh, Jacob Berry, the, the three quickest movers uh, that'll actually impact you fantasy-wise. David, what are your thoughts on some of that? Uh, any other guys that he didn't mention that you think could move quickly or that you think have potential to be worthy of a top three or four first-year player draft pick? No, I think those were definitely, you know, the guys that, that could definitely be moving quickly. I mean, Brooks Lee, I mean, great, you know, baseball IQ as well, switch hitting shortstop. Um, you know, we'll see kind of, you know, where he is long-term with the Twins organization with, you know, what they have at shortstop uh, already, both with Carlos Correa uh, and with, um, uh, his name's escaping me. Royce Lewis? Yes, Lewis. God, I can't believe I, I can't believe I forgot that. It's just, it's been a long day. Um, so yeah, so I mean, with the short step depth there, I mean, we'll see. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely think uh, that those are the guys. Kumar Rocker probably going to be the first from this draft class uh, overall to hit the big leagues. What about uh, Jace Young? I know he was uh, – he's another college bat. You didn't mention him. Sean, uh, very funky batting stance, but very good bloodlines. Um, so could he? is he not going to be a fast riser? Is his ceiling capped? Uh, why Why did his name escape you? I mean, 12th overall pick, Detroit. Um, what do you think about Jace Young? Well, you want to talk about funky batting stances? We'll get to that later with uh, with Gasper and the uh, Brewers first round pick. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Jace Young – I had him ranked ahead of Gavin Cross and Jacob Berry. I, I, I have him ranked ahead of him. I think that he is going to be a good player. I, I think that he has too many adjustments that need to happen to make the, the quickness. You know, um, I think that he just needs more refining. I think he's going to be in the minors a little bit longer than these other guys. I think he has, a, a, again, a better ceiling. I think his offensive numbers at the end are going to be better. But if you're looking for the fastest mover, um, that's why I was saying that Gavin Cross, Jacob Berry, Brooks Lee. But of the college guys, I think that, you know, Jason Young could easily be the most productive college bat. It's just going to take him a little bit while they, you know, just fine tune him because he just, he, he sells out for that power and, and he's going to be taken advantage of in the beginning. So if you see, kind of have him slow it down. I, I just don't see him moving as fast. That's the biggest thing with him. Yeah. Oh, well said. Well said. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, what uh, I just want to know as a Braves fan, and then I also want to know as a Padres beat writer here, um, I know Dylan Lesko is a guy who I had very much knew beforehand. So I was very that makes my job here with the Padres easy for uh, for to rank him. He's going to be highly ranked in the Padres organization. But the Braves seem to kind of 
have a weird draft. Uh, I wasn't too excited about any of those names at the beginning. Um, what did you think about them? And uh, what, uh, yeah, a lot of pitchers again, I suppose. But I, overall, what do you think about their their draft? They underwhelmed me uh, with the Braves. You know, I their best ranked player for for me was J.R. Ritchie. Um, I had him ranked ahead of Owen Murphy, who they ended up taking first. You know, they went with Jared Ritchie, Owen Murphy, Cole Phillips. Those three are my highest-ranked players for them. They were all three high school arms. going to take a little while. Um, I admitted in the draft Blake Burkhalter from uh, Auburn. I kind of did a full-season scouting report on him, and that's why he ranked 301 for me. That he's not the 301st ranked player in this draft. He made some serious changes to he 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 scrapped a, a slider and went more of a cutter action, and was significantly better there late in the season. I think he's a really good uh, reliever. I think he can actually be moving pretty quickly. I think he's more of a middle reliever in the future, but he's a guy that can find himself in that Braves bullpen by next season potentially. Um, but overall. Just a, a so-so draft, you know. I, I guys I liked, but just nobody that really stood out for me. Um, you know, their their highest uh, drafted player on my board was ranked 37. So obviously, it just it just underwhelmed a little bit for me. Yeah, and then kind of a, a little bit of a different route uh, here. I want I want to talk about this guy because he was projected to be uh, a top 10 pick and much higher. That's Cam Collier out of Chippewa, Chippewa College, 17 years old, youngest kid in the draft, uh, you know, thought to be a top 10 pick, ends up falling to 18 to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, what kind of precipitated that fall? I know he's a really talented hitter, uh, but what kind of led to that fall for him in, in your mind? And um, you know, what, what's, what do you think his future is going to be in the Great American Small Park in uh, Cincinnati? Yeah, and the thing is, is I, I, I don't know what made him fall. I, I have not been able to get any good uh, information on that one. I love Cam Collier. Uh, I had him, where did I have him ranked here for me? I had him ranked 11th, so I did have him as outside the top 10. Um, I, he kind of got drafted. I was surprised he went to 18. I thought he was going to be more in that 7 to, to 12 range is kind of where I expected to hear his name. So for the Reds, I think they, they got a great deal there. You know, he's got a cannon of an arm. He's not going to have the big power that you're going to see from a lot of those guys early in the draft. He's more hit first. Um, but, you know, he's a left-handed hitting third baseman. will stick at third, will uh, hit well for you. I, I you know, He was supposed to be a 2023 draft pick. He went ahead and, like you said, he's 17 years old. He just finished a season of college baseball. Yeah, Juco, but Ch- Chipola College Juco is a – as good as there is in the country. And, you know, he, he did all right. He didn't blow the doors off of it. And call it, so some, that may be some of it, but he was also, you know, facing guys that are two, three, four years older than him sitting at the Juco level where he should have been a high school junior and said he's a, a college freshman. Um, I didn't put as much stock into what his uh, numbers were. I think he's a good bat, really good uh, plus arm. He's going to be, the third baseman is the future for sure. It's just, I, I think that some of the time, some of the numbers people got a little bit, uh, a little bit scared off of it, just because he didn't, you know, put up incredible numbers while at Chipola. Yeah. And I mean, 
he may not have the the power numbers yet, but also you put him in Great American Small Park, and uh, that that power may just end up showing up with uh, with some home runs. And I mean, the Reds, I feel like the Reds were not expecting him to be there, but and it almost feels like uh, a Garrett Mitchell type of slide from a couple years ago because Mitchell was very highly ranked, supposed to be a top ten pick. He ended up falling to the Brewers at twenty uh, somehow inexplicably, and. I'm very thankful for that as a Brewers fan. But, you know, then the Reds kind of followed up and they go with, you know, maybe some more uh, underslot guys later on there with uh, Sal Stewart jumping up there at, at 32 overall. Logan Tanner, uh, kind of a couple guys probably save some money because Collier is probably going to have to be over slot. Yeah, I mean, at this point, who knows? I would imagine so. Um, you know, he's committed to Louisville, but, you know, he didn't graduate high school early to – Go to JUCO and then go to um, just an outside of the draft. Yeah, yeah, just outside. He's he he made those moves to end up in pro ball. So I I don't I'm not sure there he has as much leverage in the aspect of he's made it clear he wants to play pro ball. Yeah, yeah. And then just kind of going down the line here, uh, one of my favorite uh, college pitchers this year, college lefty, and it's unfortunate, uh, at least for me, that he goes to this organization, Cooper Jerpy. Left-handed pitcher out of Oregon State. He goes to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I just feel like this dude is going to be uh, a stud because it just kind of always seems to happen that way for the Cardinals. But uh, Cooper Jerpy, one of the better uh, college pitchers in this year's class as well. Absolutely. He was my top-ranked college pitcher. It was college pitching this year absolutely decimated with injuries. Um, I mean, there was an entire – I, I, portion of my draft rankings that was just guys who were either suspended in uh, Carson Wilson Hunt or injured. Um, Jerpy was a guy who was healthy. Um, his last uh, regular season start against UCLA, his stuff was a tick down. I was a little bit nervous about that. He ended up missing um, one start in the postseason. It wound up being an illness. But uh, then he wound up coming back and pitching against Auburn, looked himself, and uh, I think it'll be just fine. You're going to see he and um, the Miami lefty, whose name is escaping at the current time, are both going to get the Chris Sale comps because they're lefties with the you know long, lean, low slot, go across, you know, cross body action. They don't have the Chris Sale stuff, but I think a jerk. He's absolutely a guy who can you know, make a name for himself. Uh, great organization. Uh, I don't blame you for not liking the fact he's in your division. Jerpy is an excellent pick there. Is that Carson Palmquist you're thinking of there? Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I am uh, not not exactly thrilled for that. I was hoping he'd fall to 27 to Milwaukee. But, yeah, so he's going to end up uh, being a thorn in the side. But uh, – we need to we, we need to kind of move down here for for Scott Green uh, and talk about Boston Red Sox and they them going with Mikey Romero at 24 overall. Uh, how excited or upset should Scott be uh, and Red Sox Red Sox Nation be with Mikey Romero at 24? Um, I sent this tweet out uh, yesterday, which would have been uh, Tuesday. It was the week that we're recording here. I finally put you know finished up my my spreadsheet looked at it and noticed there were three teams that didn't pick a single player in my top 50, the Dodgers, the Yankees. Um, and then it was the Red Sox the Yankees. I actually liked their draft. Dodgers didn't have a whole lot of picks because of signings and the Red Sox. I, I, it's not that I disliked a whole lot of their picks. I just, 
there was better options out there. Uh, Mike Romero, I had ring 53. He went 24. Um, Roman Anthony, Cutter Coffee. It was, it was, no, they went high school heavy. Their top five players on my board are all high school guys. If they can go ahead and get Gavin Killen to sign on a day three selection, then I think that can kind of save that draft because I think that's an, a, a great uh, possible you know addition there. That said, I just was underwhelmed. I, I'm not big on it. Um, they To me, they did not get the, as much value out of it. They went more upside. I, from what I can tell, I saw Mikey Romero. I watched you know, a lot of the NHSI. I, I was underwhelmed with him at uh, Orange Lutheran. He's just kind of, I think he's a second baseman, not a shortstop. It, it just kind of an average to below average draft, in my opinion. When we're looking here at the second round, and these are the guys that you know can turn into James Wood and just have huge value in our first-year player drafts, uh, I'm just, again, I'm just this uh, plebeian that doesn't know as much as you two uh, for sure, but I'm looking at the MLB rank and then their actual pick in the second round. So I'll give you a few names here, and you can tell me which ones you agree with um, that were steals here in the second round. So you have Jackson Ferris going to the Cubs, who is 19th ranked on MLB, goes 47th overall. Uh, you have Connor Prelip going to the Twins who, at 48 overall. Caden Wallace. Um, you have Blake Tidwell going to the Mets at 27. And uh, then Peyton Graham going to the Tigers. Those were all about 30 picks Um after they should have gone according to MLB.com. So uh, what are your thoughts on those names that I just kind of went over right there? Prelip, I, I, I'm sorry, let me go back. Ferris, I also had ranked at 19. I was surprised to see him fall. Um, I think the Cubs, they went after Kate Horton in the first round, went a little bit higher than I expected to, 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 he would go. He's going to end up probably signing for a little bit less, even though he's a draft-eligible sophomore. You take that money, put it on Jackson Ferris. Again, one of those situations where you have to work out the financials more than the actual rankings. Welcome to Major League Baseball draft. Um, Connor Prelip, he's a guy who was hurt. Um, he, you know, he threw a bullpen for, for scouts. Uh, I, I heard good things about it. I kind of expected him to be in the first round, but he didn't pitch in a game this year. He, you know, so there, there were some people concerned uh, with that one. Now, the one I actually think that you o- overlooked and to me might be the steal of the second round. And that is the last pick in the second round. 66, Carson was in hunt. To me, the best changeup in the class. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a fastball changeup uh, combination. East Carolina was suspended for a failed drug test. Didn't pitch at all this year. You know, so long as that's not going to be something that is a – consistent issue that there's there's drug issues moving forward i don't I, he said it was a, a supplement that he took over winter break and you know he accepted the suspension but to me carson wisenhunt is an absolute steal for the giants he goes 66 overall i had him ranked 29 mlb at right i had him at 30 um he was the one that slipped that really opened my eyes was carson wisenhunt i think it's going to be the, the steal of the second round yeah, he was someone that I was really kind of surprised ended up, you know, falling so far. And uh, my Brewers had a chance to take him there in the second round. They had a chance to take him in the first. I, I thought they could take him, you know, either spot. They ended up going with Mizrowski in the second round. And Eric Brown Jr. Uh, in the first round there. And 
you know, he's someone that, you know, really kind of seemed, you know, a lot further down a lot of other people's boards. He's got a very uh, wonky setup, as you alluded to earlier. And I, I think we should we got to talk about this. So Eric Brown Jr., um, you know, he it, it's kind of a weird setup, but somehow it, it really kind of works. You know, has actions should be able to stick at shortstop, I think. But I mean, the upside here seems kind of limited is it not i mean is it kind of like at best maybe a you know just kind of average starting shortstop um yeah but at the same time where you where the brewers are picking you're not gonna typically be getting oh, yeah. superstar so, yeah no no overall but also like from the from the fantasy side there like is there is there much larger upside you know offensively to come no I, and that's another thing this is a guy he was an absolute freak athlete. He's got the, one of the weirdest stances you'll you'll see. His bat actually starts on the pitcher's side of his head. So, oh my god! I mean, it, it, <laughs> it is as interesting Arms as fully extended. I, it's so odd. I mean, it's, it's so Craig fitting Council. that Craig Council is going to be his manager. Um, but he's a guy. He's he's a freak athlete. Really athletic. Um, defensively, I saw him get a little bit cocky with it a few times and, and boot some. Uh, easy backhanders but at the plate as odd as that stance is he makes it work he's got a big leg kick but he gets the the bat state bat head stays in the plane the the zone a long time he has some power i think he's gonna be yes a league average starting major league baseball shortstop which at that point in the draft for the brewers at that you know, late first round, early second round of your first year player draft, it's not a bad option. Um, I there is risk because of that that stance and that 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 swing, but um, I think he's a guy that, that is going to end up. You know, if you end up with him on your team, you're not gonna you're not gonna complain about it in you know five six years. So going over a couple other guys just to finish off. Some of this draft talk again. This is sort of the initial stuff. We got to see how these guys show up when they get to the Pro Bowl. Even if for that, you know, couple of weeks, it gives us a lot of information. And then you have the off season and, and stuff like that. Perhaps even some of these might get traded down the line. But guys that we haven't mentioned yet that pretend, uh, potentially have the highest ceiling, that maybe a second or a third round or even later than that, that you could see maybe taking uh, with a first year player draft that. Um, people will think you're a genius for, I guess. You know, going back to the Brewers, Robert Moore is a guy who in January, people were tapping him as a potential top 10 pick. He's, you know, Dayton Moore's son. He's got ridiculous baseball IQ. I think that that's a guy who, if he can work out his swing a little bit better, I, I think he could be an absolute uh, steal for some people. Um, I know, you know, catchers are always risky. Kevin Parada, I'm not sure going to say he's going to slide much. I, I love him at his, his, uh, at the plate. I think he sticks at catcher. Um, I think he ends up doing a really good job. Uh, you know, and even if he has to move off of it, the, the Mets could have a really interesting catching duo there. Uh, but Parada is a guy I really liked. Uh, other guys that may have slipped. Let me take a look here. The Brewers went and got Judd Fabian, you know, a guy who Orioles. has, I'm sorry, Orioles, my bad. The Orioles went ahead and got Judd Fabian, 
a guy they wanted last year. He didn't sign with the Red Sox. Went back to the went back to Florida. Still has a lot of swing and miss, but he is a really good defensive outfielder, and he has insane power. Uh, that could be a, a sneaky one, um, you know. And then there's there's some arms that just which of these college arms that are that, you know had injuries. The Landon Sims, um, you know, the, so many arms ended up getting injured during the season that there's going to be college arms that end up being really successful and, and doing really well for you. It's just figuring out which ones are going to be healthy enough to do it. And that was a, the risk of this draft was the college arms. And I think that you're going into the, your first year draft. It's the same thing. There's going to be college arms that are there that are going to do well. It's just, who's going to be healthy long-term. And that's always the risk when it comes to, to, to pitchers. Yeah, and, and one of the more uh, famous pitchers in this draft, at least if you follow uh, Pitching Ninja on Twitter, is Ben Joyce out of Tennessee. He ends up going in the third round to the Angels. He's got a 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, where should he kind of be going in, in your uh, first-year player draft? I mean, is this pretty much strictly closer potential down the road? I, I don't think he can – sustain that as a starter that kind of velocity oh he's pure reliever i'm not even sure it's closer stuff um keep in mind there was a midweek game that he hit the 105 and the batter pulled it straight to the third baseman it's not like it was 105 that blew the guy away it was pull it was pulled and it was a midweek mid-major team I, his fastball has will blow you away on the numbers I just am not I, – I didn't see hitters act like it was the 103, 104, 105. I, hitters were able to time it better than somebody with that fastball. I, I don't trust his off-speed stuff. I, I really think he's a quality guy if you need holds. I just don't see him being a fantasy impact guy. Sounds like the most angels pick ever. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it sounds like uh, sounds like Chase DeLauder as well. Just kind of not really seeing the the big impact potential there, are you? I, I'm not a DeLauder fan. I am outspoken in my dislike for Chase DeLauder. His hands, his hips, his shoulders, his, nothing is in sync. When he makes contact and he absolutely uh, – James Madison against in conference play, he absolutely dominated. Um but in the opening round, the opening uh, series of the season against Florida State, against good pitching, he was made to look foolish. He was, you know, out of sync, uh, just constantly off balance. Um, yes, he had some success at the Cape. Yes, he, I started to see before he broke his foot that ended his season. I started to see some of that slowed down a little bit. The power is legit. I just don't think he's ever going to tap into it because there's so many moving parts in that swing. Sorry, Cleveland fans. It's, uh, it's not looking <laughs> not looking too promising on the hitting side, but the pitchers yeah, that Cleveland got, uh, should, should we play them up just because they're, they're Cleveland pitchers? Because they really kind of know how to develop them. I mean, Justin Campbell's guy I liked, Parker Messick, um, I'm Dylan DeLucia in the sixth round. I mean, they really kind of got some some famous college names there. You know, and, and 
I think Gio Rivera, uh, I think at around uh, third day pick out of Walter State Junior College is a guy that's interesting. Um, you know, and I kind of like some of their their bats in 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 day two and three. Uh, Press Kavanaugh, UNC Greensboro. I think he is a fourth outfielder type, and again, not going to help you a whole lot when it comes to the fantasy stuff. Same as Tyrese Turner and Nate Furman. I think that they got some decent bats there um, on the baseball side of things that won't necessarily be um, fantasy uh, help, but eventually, you know, will be guys that are quality off the bench. But yeah, when it comes to the, um, the arms, Parker Messick, Florida State, there was a point in time that he was in the conversation to be a first rounder. Justin Campbell, I had a first round grade on him. Um, I think that they did well there. You know, Dylan DeLucia made himself plenty of money there in uh, Omaha with what he did. And, you know, I think he is a potential back into the rotation future type of guy. Uh, overall, you know, the Cleveland, you just look at them, you figure their, their arms are going to be better than they were even drafted as. But, uh, you know, I, I like the arms they ended up adding. I like some of their day two college back. But overall, it was one of those situations where Cleveland, for the most part, got the bat that I liked the least, but got some plenty of quality arms that I think are going to go ahead and work out really well for him. Hey, Sean, I'm curious. We'll kind of go off the the topic of the individual players here. But in terms of the MLB draft, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, what's great about it? What do you love about it? And then at the same time, what would you do to change some things? What needs to be fixed? What needs to be addressed about the current format, when it's taking place? Uh, just basically in your eyes, what would the perfect MLB draft look like? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I love the fact that you're sitting there and, you know, you'll see when, when I did my rankings this year, I, early season, I did my top high school guys, and my top college guys. I don't combine my list until late because it is very different. And it, it's as wide a range as you're going to see of any professional sport. Cause you're looking at high school guys, you're looking at college guys, you're looking at uh, Juco guys, you know, there's a, a kid who's not going to turn 18 until um, January. who was picked uh, this year. It was actually picked by, uh, I believe by Cleveland. Um, and you know, there's a kid that, that Jacob Zibin. He's not turning. He's not going to turn 18 until January. He was drafted in this round. And then you got, especially this year, you got the COVID redshirt seniors who've been in college for six years. They're 24, 25 years old. You've got a darn near 10 year. You know, you've got six, seven year difference in age. It, it's as wide a range as you're going to see in any sport. Now, as far as what changes I would like to see, I, I don't like the fact that. Scott Boris can go ahead and get two of his guys signed with the Texas Rangers this year that causes the Rangers to lose two of their picks and then go ahead and take two of his clients, Kamar Rocker and Brock Porter, and have them commit to things before the draft that make it so nobody else can get them. To me, that was, you know, I don't know enough of the inside information, but outside looking in, it's almost collusion, the fact that, you know, it's it's Boris's clients are the reason they lost two picks. And Boris's clients end up signing, and they're completely off out of slot. All kinds of uh, funkiness there. Brock Porter priced himself out of the draft uh, to anybody but Texas. Essentially, I don't like that. I, I don't like the manipulation of the slots. I wish it was a little bit more based on best player, um, rather than you know 
financial negotiations. As far as timing, I, I hate that it's on for All-Star Weekend. I just don't think it gets the attention it deserves. I did like the fact that they they were going to do it that weekend heading into Omaha and heading into the College World Series. But after a season like this, a year like this, where you saw Dylan DeLucia and Kate Horton make themselves a lot of money in Omaha, I actually changed my thought process on it. I think it's the weekend after Omaha, the weekend after the College World Series. You have it be then. You know, you can they get the guys to you feed off the the College World Series and all of that. And I don't even care if it's midweek because day two and three are midday midweek. You can still do a, a Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday draft, get plenty of attention coming off of a you know potential game three of the College World Series on a Monday and really see some guys, some of that momentum and then get them into camp earlier, get them into camp two, three weeks earlier, get them into the complex or even low A. I would just like to see it all happen a little bit earlier. And then a follow-up to that, too. What about international? I mean, is it too crazy to include it all in one? Should we mimic how the draft works in the international market, or should we just kind of keep it? Well, I mean, they're, they're going to be deciding that this next week. I exactly. Mean, the deadline for that is is the 25th here uh, right. for MLB and the Players Association to agree upon that. So we'll have to kind of wait a little bit to, to find out if they're going to do that. But that's going to be like its own like separate time thing if they're able to come up with that. Absolutely. And then I like the fact that it's separate. You know, we have Canada and Puerto Rico included in uh, this draft. Um, I do like the fact that it's separate just because it is such a different, um, such a different ball game. So it's so, just so different. Um, you know, I just talked about the age difference in the, the high school guys to the college guys. You know, kids are committing, you know, unofficially at 14 years old uh, to teams on the international side. There's so much corruption and things like that. Um, there's a great documentary that the name is escaping me. Miguel Sano was actually in it uh, just about the, the signing process down in Dominican Republic and things like that. It, it's just such a mess. It's the wild, wild west. I'm, I think the international draft is, is good, but I am also glad that it's separate. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see because, I mean, I'm asking that question because we don't get to separate it in our dynasty leagues, right? We got to make that decision and pick a 17-year-old that we've seen 30 seconds of or a college guy we've seen four years of. You know, it's like we have to make that decision. It'd be interesting to see how professional teams would also make that decision. But it is, yeah, it's probably legit impossible. But you know what I would like to see is actually, that, you know, they do the, the MLB draft combine and they end up playing the high school game, the college game. Bring them in. Bring the, the international guys in. Have them actually do the combine with the college guys, with the high school guys. So have them stack them up next to each other so you can actually get some sort of a comparison. Yeah, the ages are different and there's a reason the high school guys play against the high school guys and the colleges play against college guys. But I would love to see the international guys – Come into the States, get the first taste of being in the States, do a full-blown combine, get real measurables, get real drills, standing next to, you know, have the top third base uh, Dominican kid stand next to uh, a college senior. I I would love to see them work together with that. I'd love to see something like that happen. Yeah, I love that idea. What I'd love to see is the the trading of draft picks. You know, as you kind of mentioned there with the – um, you know, the less, you know, slot manipulation, you know, instead of 
the Rangers taking Kumar Rocker at three, you know, where they got a slot of 7.6 million and they sign him for 5.6. How about you trade down a couple of spots to like nine where that's actually slot and you pick up a couple of picks later and, you know, pick up more slot money and you can take Brock Porter or whoever then. Um, and someone else who wants Tamar or Elijah Green or whoever up there, they can trade up and go get them. And teams like Kansas City or Colorado or the Mets or whoever else doesn't have to wait forever and just kind of see who's there as they watch their top guys get taken off the board. They can just go and get them. Yeah, and also keep in mind, you know, the uh, there was in the uh, competitive balance rounds, those are those are tradable. We saw what was it, three players do it for traded. all of them. Yeah, like do it for all of them because that that was one of the more fun trades that we saw so far this season was when you know was yeah. the Braves made that move to go ahead and get an extra pick. See you later, uh, Drew Waters. Yeah. Uh, and if you can actually have it up and on draft day, you know, all of a sudden that, you know, Kumar Rocker doesn't just pick third, but somebody traded up to get him. It would just be fascinating to see something like that happen. Yeah. I wonder how it would work with all these slot values, right? So if you want to trade your draft picks for a higher draft pick, you would essentially lose all the money you would probably need to sign. Exactly. That. You would have to negotiate the slot it's within the a, trade, which is why it hasn't happened. Yeah, which is why it doesn't happen. But if I mean, if you can... If they figured it out how to do it with those competitive balance, I mean, the Braves got 35 overall, right? Or 30 overall, 35, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, 35, and that was the J.R. Ritchie pick. Yeah, and so that is, I mean, that has a lot of value. But again, when you start, how would, how would it work when you're trading draft picks for draft picks? It seems like it, it would work fine with players for draft picks, but when you get draft picks for draft picks, that's where it starts to... Are you trading back end slot money and you still got some slot money going back and forth? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe you say, yeah, you, you trade, you know, picks, you know, pick four for pick eight and, you know, throw in a half a million dollars back. So something yeah, like that. So you'd have to do some cash that way. I wonder, or you just get rid of all these slot values and just have a normal draft. I mean, yeah. Good luck getting the players association to go with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's true too. But it is a very unique draft. I mean, it is unlike anything else. It's, it's well, far too sure. complicated for it to be as popular as the NFL or NBA drafts. Um, but it is fascinating and interesting, especially the deeper you dive into it, the more complex and interesting it seems to become. So it's like a, it's like a fine whiskey or a, a wine that's, you know, if you're tasting it for the first time, you're like, this is awful. But then, you know, those sophisticated people like David and Sean, they know it. It's great. And that's what the draft is. Yeah. Alcoholic. Hey. <laughs> I think that's a good spot to end it. Absolutely. <laughs> now we need some alcohol is what we uh, what we need. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the draft. Not for everybody, but if you're into it, man, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And you spend, I mean, so much time, Sean. I mean, maybe we'll finish with that. What was the, uh, the uh, process going through all of this? How much you go through uh to get it all to that uh, final <laughs> list that you uh you shared on the on the site um i had notes on a little over 2300 players high school and college i actually ranked out 638 and i published 400 of them <laughs> jesus we thank you sean we thank you because you do all the work so we don't have to <laughs> I'll just use all of your information and then dominate my drafts. That's my plan. 
All right, Sean, anything else you're working on now after the draft uh, that we should be on the lookout for? Are you going to take a break for a little while? Um, and then where, uh, where can people find you on uh, the social media world? Yeah. So keep an eye out. Um, we're going to do an August series as a draft recap. We're going to do it after the signing day of August 1st. I'm going to go ahead and do my favorite pick my least favorite pick, a sleeper and deep sleeper, you know, favorite and least favorite probably going to be most often going to be a, a day one type of uh, pick. Uh, Chase the water. It will be a hate. Absolutely. Um, the you know sleeper usually going to be a, a day two type, and then a deep sleeper most commonly going to be a day three type to kind of go into that depth of you know who you know, who did I like, who did I not like, and you know who to keep an eye on, who to take a flyer on at the late late part of your draft in that sleeper and deep sleeper portion. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate all that hard work you do. You are clearly one of the uh, best in the industry when it comes to MLB draft. So, and uh, you always give us your dynasty outlook on it as well, which is much appreciated because we are now David officially ahead of everyone else when it comes to dynasty first year player drafts. Um, although we probably won't be drafting for a while, um, but a couple months from now, I suppose we'll probably have a, an episode where we do rank those, those first year player drafts. It's far too early now, but Sean, again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, David, this is a huge, episode we are uh yeah. we are making up for lost time <laughs> it's been a few weeks it's been a few weeks but uh i think this will end it for us today again if you listen to both parts appreciate it if you didn't catch part one that is the future game analysis with gail and i going to the futures game and our experience with that um giving you firsthand clubhouse experience uh, check that out as well on the futures focus channel uh, this is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500, a friendly reminder. We will be back to normal recording, hopefully here at the end of summer. But uh, David Gasper, Alex Sanchez, again, Sean Kernahan joining us. Futures Focus signing off.